Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mondays with Mo, a podcast about everything UCM. I'm your host, Don Kennedy, and in today's episode, we'll focus on student activities, and I'll be talking with several people about the different opportunities for students at UCM. In our first segment, we'll talk with Dan Plott, the Assistant Director of Student Activities and Fitness and Wellness at UCM. Dan, welcome to our show. Well, Don, thanks for having me. Uh, really look forward to, once I got the invitation, uh, really look forward to being here with you today and, and uh, talking about Student Rec Center. Great. Dan, how long have you been in your current position? Well, uh, Don, I've been with the university now uh, just, just short of five years, uh, almost five years. Um, I've been in the current position now for the last two years. Uh, but prior to that, uh, I was employed over at the Elliott Student Union, uh, did various things there, uh, managed the uh, ID card office and uh, project manager and then uh, operations. And then this opportunity came open at the rec center, which is still in, inside the uh, student experience and engagement uh, division of the university. So it was really kind of a transfer within a department here on campus, uh, but I've been at the rec center now for two years and, and just loved every minute of it. It's just been really great. Dan, how long has the current rec center been in existence? Well, uh, the current rec center, as, uh, as we have it now, has been in existence since 2011. Uh, in 2009, the student body here at Central Missouri uh, voted and decided that they would institute a fee for, for the next uh, generation of students that would be uh, there to equip and build a rec center. Construction started in the spring of 2009, uh, completion in spring of 2011, and as I understand, uh, nine years ago, uh, it was a little bit rushed because uh, President Ambrose at the time was so uh, wanting to get that open for our student body so uh, it did open in the spring of 2011 in its current uh, fashion here in the in the center of campus and that's a an amazing facility from what i've seen and we'll talk some more about it here in a minute uh, when i was a student here and i won't tell what years but well before that a lot of that area was just kind of an open field that wasn't really used for a yes. whole lot um, there was a there was a cattle path through there where students yes. walked to get from one place to the other and yeah. So, so. The, the, the design uh, was part of uh, a big committee uh, that looked at various options. Uh, the current rec center is really kind of an extension of the Garrison Morrow complex, which is uh, one of the older parts of the facility here on campus. And then it extends to the east with the current, uh, the new addition to the rec center. But uh, you are correct, just to the east of Garrison Amaro actually used to be tennis courts and kind of an open area there where uh, there were some outdoor volleyball uh, areas that were used uh, primarily during camps. Uh, I know Boys State for many years used that open area. So it was decided that uh, the rec center would expand to the east. Um, there was some consideration in the planning stages of actually going out and putting a facility at South Rec. Uh, that was discussed, uh, I think, at length 
what my understanding is and the the final decision was that being centrally located on campus was probably in the best interest of our student body and the the, the young people uh, the students and staff would utilize it uh, more in, in in its current location but it's it's a great location very centrally located uh, we like to think that we're kind of the information desk to the east. I know there's an information desk in the Elliott Student Union, but uh, we get a lot of people that come into our facility and uh, our front desk area is really kind of equipped to, to uh, direct people in the proper areas. That's awesome. So what, what things are available at the rec center for our students? Oh my gosh, Don, we have just a, a variety of such a variety of things. Um, we obviously have a track around the upper area. We have uh, six complete gyms. Uh, that incorporates our new lower facility area, but the old garrison gym was converted into three full basketball courts uh, area up there. We have uh, a complete uh, cardio area with treadmills, ellipticals, rowing machines. Uh, we have uh, uh, weight machines that can be used downstairs in the lower portion we have a complete weight room uh, we have been adding some more functional fitness pieces to our facility then upstairs in the mezzanine area that overlooks the atrium we have again more equipment up there that includes cardio weight training equipment and that but uh, it goes far beyond that we actually have uh, some boxing rigs uh, for uh, people that are interested in boxing um, we offer that uh, we have pickleball badminton uh, any kind of court sport you can imagine uh, we have that available there at the rec center so just a variety of things that we have available uh, for use I, I believe the facility as it is right now is right around 68,000 square feet on three different levels so uh, uh, mixing that old with the new uh, we've tried to address a lot of the needs of what fitness uh, has taken in the last couple decades. That's awesome. Uh, Dan, does it cost the students to use the rec center? Well, uh, going back to that 2009, uh, the uh, Student Government Association uh, got it passed that it is now part of the fee structure here at the university. So to say it costs, yes, it's built in the uh, fee structure uh, to our students that uh, are here at Central. Uh, so uh, that's where we get primarily most of our funding. Uh, we do host some off-campus events, but uh, the, the bulk of and the primary funding comes from the uh, student fee that's assessed uh, for our student body. Okay. Uh, what are the typical hours of operation for the rec center? Uh, well, currently, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, we are open from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. On Saturday, we're open at 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Sunday, we're open from 1 to 10 p.m. So we have that consistent uh, closing time of 10. Uh, that actually has been in place since we came back uh, in operation. Uh, due to the pandemic, we were closed for 80 days. At the end of spring break, it was decided that uh, activities on campus were shut down. 
uh, and then we reopened in June. So we were closed for 80 days. During that time, uh, a lot of things were uh, discussed and one of our uh, points of discussion was about closing instead of midnight. Our, our previous hours took us right up to midnight. We were open uh, very late. Uh, looking at the numbers and our tracking data, we bumped that back up to 10. And part of that is so that we can have that extra time in the evening to uh, disinfect and sanitize the entire facility, which uh, we've, we've done a really, really nice job. But um, during holiday breaks, we may adjust the hours a little bit. I know next week we're on fall break, so we're adjusting our hours from eight to six, uh, Monday through Wednesday. Then we'll be closed uh, for Thanksgiving, Friday after Thanksgiving and Saturday, and then reopen our normal hours the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Lots of opportunities in yes. right there in all yes. that time. So what are some of the things that are available for students for personal training and assessment? Well, that's a, a big element of what we do there. Um, uh, we do uh, have six personal trainers and our uh, uh, personal training uh, allows for uh, more one-on-one -on -one individual type programming. Uh, the way it works, uh, we meet with a client and uh, kind of look at what their fitness goals and needs include and then make an assignment to a, an instructor. We currently have six on staff. We have three males and three females. So we try to pair them up with somebody that really matches the uh, ideas of, of what they want to get out of the, the fitness routines. Um, our personal training uh, is, a, is a very small extra fee outside of the uh, fees that are there for the building. But uh, one session is $25, five sessions for $100, and then we have a package of 10 sessions for $180. Uh, again, those fees are there basically just to fund the trainers and pay them. Uh, we do have a unique situation, Don, where if you're a couple, uh, and that could be two friends or, or uh, a couple uh, in any way, we do have it where they can go two to one with one trainer. Right now we have a, a number of married couples that come in, they train together, they have one instructor, so then we have a reduced fee for them. Instead of, instead of the $100, $100 for five sessions, we reduce that to $80. So, so that's kind of unique and, and uh, interesting um, because holding each other accountable in our fitness goals uh, seems to blend itself to a little bit more success. So uh, the, the uh, personal trainers also use something that we offer and that's uh, our assessment. We have an in-body, uh, it's called bioelectrical impedance analysis. Uh, it, it is a scale, but it also uh, gives you a feedback readout of, of to what your body's composed of. It breaks it down by water, lean body mass, uh, fat mass, which, which we all have those in our body. But uh, those assessments are part of the personal training package. But if you just want to come in and get that, we have that available for $3 per session on that. Uh, Don, we do work very closely with kinesiology, and they provide a, a DEXA scan, which is a more in-depth body composition analysis 
through their program and they're just right across the hallway from us so we work very closely with them awesome uh, do you have any type of classes that are offered for your for group fitness we do uh, we we offer a variety of uh, fitness classes everything from uh, Tabata which is a, uh, a station type workout kind of more of a hit high intensity uh, program we have spin class uh, where we're on the bikes uh, we actually have a morning rush class which is a variety of different things it's a lot of uh, driven by the needs of the uh, uh, people that are in the class they kind of meet with the instructor and say well we'd like to do this on on certain days uh, we have uh, a, a class called lunch crush uh, a kind of a 45 minute over lunch period uh, class where uh, people come in and and during their um, lunch break get a class in uh, that involves a little bit of everything it incorporates a little bit of strength training a little bit of uh, sometimes uh, boxing we do have a TRX system where they can use the bands and, and do that also at the rec. So uh, we tailor those classes to the needs. Uh, we offer yoga, which has uh, been very, very popular for us. So we offer a variety of different classes uh, at, through the rec center. Uh, those, those again uh, have a fee structure. You can pay uh, $3 per class. Uh, but we do offer a couple punch passes. You can buy a, a $25 pass for the entire semester and that will get you into any class all day long. Uh, we have a uh, 10 class punch pass for like $15. So you can take 10 classes for, so it's a very, very small nominal fee. And again, that's just to, to, to pay for our instructor staff and everything. But we try to keep that down, uh, cost down as, as much as possible. Dan, you mentioned a little bit about some things that happened because of the pandemic, but have there been any big changes? Well, uh, I don't want to say big changes, but we, we have altered our uh, cleaning schedules. Uh, we do employ a staff uh, of student workers that uh, work anywhere from 12 to uh, 18 to 20 hours a week uh, on staff there but uh, our cleaning schedules have changed uh, somewhat. We have distanced our machinery. Um, we do keep uh, a number of uh, machines offline to keep people distance, socially distanced. Uh, one of our other changes is in our weight room. We started out uh, back in June, limiting it to 10 people uh, per session. That's on a first come, first serve. We have a big whiteboard and then uh, if there are people that are waiting, we limit the, the uh, uh, admittance there to, to one hour. But everybody's really worked well together. Uh, some people just want to come in for a quick 15, 20 minutes and then they're out. And we really have, but uh, the cleaning schedule, the sanitizing, uh, disinfecting everything. Uh, we do have uh, some of the misters that in the evening time we go around, but uh, I know this has uh, been uh, very difficult for some people, but we have kept basketball offline just due to the fact of the distancing. We could not, uh, you know, <clears throat> really kind of keep those basketball players who want to be right up there 
in each other's uh, face and stuff. So uh, we've offered a lot of alternatives with badminton and, and pickleball and volleyball so that we can stay distanced in the rec center. But uh, those are just some of the changes we made. Again, we changed the hours. We, uh, we moved from midnight to a 10 o'clock closing. Again, that gives us that extra time in the evening to get it all sanitized for the next day's operation. That's great. Dan, is there anything else our listeners should know that we didn't cover in the questions I asked you? The Student Recreation and Wellness Center uh, offers something for everyone. Uh, we really uh, want that to be uh, your facility that uh, people can come and, and kind of get away from all the stress and, and get in a workout. But uh, we have a number of different groups that use that with different uh, dance groups, for example. Uh, we have been a cooperative effort with our dance classes and they use our facility. But our facility can also be uh, rented by outside uh, agencies. Uh, we do uh, have a number of schools that come in for project graduation or, or project prom in the spring. Uh, we host a number of camps throughout the summer. And uh, I know the pandemic has impacted some of that participation to a degree uh, and we're, we're really ready for the day we can get back to opening that back up and having those people into our facility because it really has a lot of things to offer. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the welcoming atmosphere is really done by our uh, employees. Uh, we have a, a great staff that, that is really there uh, uh, being able to provide those services. So um, we look forward to seeing a lot of people come through the rec center. Uh, we uh, uh, are always, we, we met this morning and actually talked about new pieces of equipment that we're looking at uh, adding. That's through input from our clients, people that come in. We, we ask them all, constantly asking, uh, what would you like to see in the rec center? So it's a very vibrant, uh, alive place, uh, and, and we just can't wait to keep moving forward and offering those services to our uh, uh, community here at Central. Dan, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Don, thank you very much for having us. Go Mules! Incoming freshmen, the housing application is now open. Sign into your MyCentral account and apply for housing. If you live within 65 miles of UCM and plan to live at home and commute, be sure to submit your housing exemption form. To learn more about UCM, follow us on Instagram at UCM underscore admissions. In this segment, we'll be talking with Kevin Sneed, the Assistant Director of Intramurals and Recreation Sports. Kevin, welcome to Mondays with Mo. Don, thank you for having me. Uh, Kevin, uh, let's talk about intramural sports first. Uh, how does a student get involved with intramural sports at UCM? Excellent question. We have a website called imleagues.com that we have all of our available sports on that website. So if you're interested in playing flag football, you can go to imleagues.com. And if you're interested in men's or women's or fraternity or sorority, you can find that that you want to play. 
and then you can sign up for the day and the time. So if you know you want to play flag football, men's, on Monday night, you go to imleagues.com, you find that division, and then you just click a few buttons on the website, and you are good to go. Awesome. Uh, Kevin, what different sports are offered? We have a lot of different sports. Just this fall semester, we have sand volleyball, slow pitch softball, golf, 3D archery, e-sports, including games like Madden and Super Smash Brothers and Call of Duty and Rocket League. We are also doing a weekly DraftKings Fantasy Football League that is completely free. Uh, we have four-on-four -four flag football, tennis, ping pong, disc golf, indoor volleyball, pickleball, Indoor soccer, outdoor soccer, badminton, cornhole, and those are just some of the sports that we offer. Okay. Um, where, what are the locations or what kind of fields do you have where you play the intramural sports? Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent question. So for our indoor sports, such as indoor volleyball or indoor soccer or pickleball or badminton, we play here at the Student Recreation Wellness Center. We have three, we call them the three upper garrison courts that are beautiful wood finish where we play basketball. And it's right here centrally located on campus. For our outdoor sports, such as softball and flag football, we have the South Recreational Sports Complex where we play all of our outdoor sports. So a lot of good facilities here at UCF. Awesome. So a uh, question that we might get from a prospective student uh, Kevin, is if I'm playing a varsity sport at UCM, can I also play intramurals? Yes, you can, with one small exception, is you cannot play in the same sport that you're on a varsity team. So, for example, if you are on the UCM football team, you cannot play flag football, but you can play everything else. You can play basketball or volleyball or pickleball. You just can't play the same sport that correlates to your varsity sport. Kevin, I tell students when I'm talking with them uh, about the intramural sports, and I say, you know, at my height now, uh, when I was 18 years old, it'd be fun to still play at the highest level, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to be very successful against guys that are six foot five. Right. Are yes. there some different levels for, yes. for our students to play? Yeah, so we have what we call an A level and a B level. The A level is the more competitive level. Uh, and the B level is the more recreational level. So we want everyone to be able to play regardless of skill level. Intramural sports is about having fun, uh, participating with other people on campus and getting involved. So we don't want to discourage anybody to not play by having levels too difficult. So yes, we offer a competitive and a recreational level. Awesome. Um, as a student, Getting involved in intramurals, do I have to pay anything to play? We do have a small fee for all of our sports. For example, our uh, four-week flag football league is $35 per team. And when we charge money, we don't charge money to make a profit. We charge money to pay our expenses. So every intramural sport are run by student workers. I'm the only, I'm a full-time staff member, but we have students that officiate, students that supervise, so when you pay that $35, it's literally going right back to the students that are working the event. So yes, we do have some small fees, but uh, it's just to pay the student workers that are working the events. Excellent. Um, typically, what time of the day are the games played? We play in the evenings. So for most of our major league sports, we're going to play Monday through Thursday evenings anywhere from 6 p.m. to midnight, just depending on the number of teams. We do have some weekend sports, so we'll play 
uh, pickleball on Saturday afternoon. We'll play our disc golf tournament on Sunday afternoon. So we do have some of our smaller tournaments on the weekends, but for the most part, our big leagues such as football and volleyball and basketball, Monday through Thursday in the evenings. Okay, awesome. Um, you mentioned this a minute ago, but say I'm a student and mm -hmm. I don't want to play, but I'm interested in officiating. Mm -hmm. What's the process to get involved there? Absolutely. I encourage you to come talk to me directly. My office is in the rec center. My contact information is on the website. You can email me at ksneed at ucmo.edu. Uh, come talk to me directly because I am always, always looking for student workers that want to officiate flag football or volleyball or supervise. So just come find me and and I'll get you working. Excellent. Uh, Kevin, let's switch gears just mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, you also offer some club sports. Yes. What's the difference between intramurals and club sports? Well, the intramurals on the most basic level is recreational, that anybody can play. It's all here within the UCM community. Um, club sports takes it to a little bit of the next level where it's more competitive. So right now, we've got a climbing club, a bowling club, a fencing club, inline hockey club, a baseball club, a men's rugby, women's rugby, swimming, and trap and skeet. So a lot of those clubs travel to other universities and participate. We also have a bass fishing club. So for example, bass fishing club, they will travel to tournaments in the state of Missouri or neighboring states to compete. Our men's and women's rugby is in a big league. So they host matches against Missouri S&T and Mizzou and K-State, and they travel to other universities as well. So with intramurals, you're just staying here on campus playing some softball. But if you wanted to do rugby, then you'd probably be traveling to some other schools and playing against those schools as well. That's cool. Um, let's say I come here as a student. Um, I've been involved in a, in a sport that, uh, but I don't want to participate at the collegiate level, mm -hmm. and we don't offer that as a mm -hmm. club sport. Mm -hmm. how, how would I go about trying to get a new sport started? That's a great question. So the great thing here about UCM is just because we don't have an organization right now doesn't mean we can't have it in the future. We just we need some interest. So we need eight students that say, I want to create a softball club. And this has happened within the last few years. I had a student come. I want to create a softball club. And I said, great, let's get eight students. So we've got eight students. Awesome. Then we need to get a faculty advisor, faculty or staff advisor to help your club. And then we need to write a constitution. And we have basic constitutions. So you come and you can see me and I can help you get it all down. And then we've got eight students. We've got an advisor. We've got a constitution. We can start getting you as a registered student organization that gets funding and the benefits uh, that we have here at UCM. Excellent. Kevin, last question. How does a student that just shows up get involved with a club sport without having any knowledge of what's going on? Excellent. So the best thing is at the beginning of each semester, we have the student involvement fair, which is usually in the, in the rec center, or maybe it'll be outside if the weather is nice. And we have almost all the student organizations, 200 plus student organizations are there. So if you want to join a sport club or a religious organization or a political organization or whatever type of organization you want, the best thing to do is come to that involvement fair. But if you can't make it, that's okay. We've got information on our website. You can just come into our office. We have an open door policy. So you can come to the rec center. My door is always open. 
and you can come see me, ask me a question, ask my colleagues a question, and we will get you hooked up with where you need to go. Excellent, excellent. Kevin, thanks for taking your time today for talking with us on Mondays with Mo about um, intramurals and recreational club sports. Well, thank you for having me. Be sure to apply for admission to UCM by going to ucmo.edu forward slash apply. UCM has a test optional admission where you can get admitted by applying and sending us your transcript. If you have a 2.75 cumulative grade point average, you will be admitted test optional and be awarded the $1,000 red and black scholarship. To learn more about UCM, follow us on Instagram at UCM underscore admissions. In this segment, we'll be talking with Jeremiah Robeson, the Assistant Director of Outdoor Education. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Good morning, Don. Thanks for having me. Um, you're in charge of outdoor education at UCM and several different areas we're going to talk about today. Uh, one of the areas you're in charge of is called Trips, Treks, and Tours. Uh, kind of tell of our listeners what that's all about. Yes, sir. So that's a program we run where uh, we plan one trip a semester typically. Uh, that could be backpacking, hiking, um, a trip to a baseball game, something like that. Uh, obviously, coronavirus has slowed that down for this semester, but moving forward, we'll try to have one trip per semester just to get students introduced to outdoor activities or just to get away from campus and enjoy themselves. And how does, a, how does a student get involved? How do they find out about that? So we'll post to our social media accounts and hang flyers, but regularly checking the website is probably the best way. Um, so what that'll look like, there'll be a minimal fee on the student's part just to cover trip expenses. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that once they sign up and have a brief introduction to what the trip looks like and make sure they're prepared. Okay, awesome. Um, so students have an opportunity. We have a place called Turtle Springs. It's a nice area, nature area on campus. Uh, tell us about some of the things students can do there. Absolutely. So we have a trail system out there. It's about two and a half miles total. Um, and student groups actually adopt a portion of that trail and clear it uh, for volunteer service hours. Uh, but out there, there's um, you can backpack the trail if you'd like to train up for longer hikes. Uh, hiking, a lot of people bring their pets out there to get a little exercise. Uh, mountain biking occurs out there pretty often. And then if you're into mushroom hunting or some other natural activities, there's that as well uh, in the appropriate season. And there's also three ponds out there uh, for fishing. Uh, Missouri law applies, obviously you have to have a fishing permit. Uh, Missouri regulations as well have to be observed. Okay, uh, when you talk about uh, mountain biking or uh, fishing, what if a student doesn't have that kind of equipment with them here? Do they? Do you have opportunities for them to rent something like that? We don't have any rental equipment for those particular activities, uh, but they're very affordable. Um, if you go to like, say Walmart here in town, you can buy equipment to successfully participate in those activities, certainly. Awesome. Now, uh, one of the big features in the fitness center is our climbing wall. Uh, tell us about that and what students have to do to to yeah, get involved. Absolutely. So that is totally free to students, faculty, and staff. Um, they're welcome to come in. Our hours are Monday through Friday, 3.30 to 8, Saturday and Sunday, 1.30 to 8. Um, it is student staffed as well. We have a great group of, group of student workers down there, uh, some of which are climbing wall instructors, very talented people to get you in the, in the right place uh, to climb whatever you're projecting down there. But it's 31 feet, nine inches tall. Um, we have routes ranging from a 5.6, which is the easier side of things, to a 512B, which is the hardest route we set down there. We also have a bouldering area and a, um, a training board to use to 
get a little better at the sport if you wish to do so. Excellent. Uh, we've also got, uh, Jeremiah, a trap and skeet range. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I like to think of that as the best kept secret of UCM. It's east of town. Not a lot of people know it's out there, and we'd love to figure out a way to get people involved in shooting sports. Um, so we have three trap ranges, uh, a skeet range in the center of that, and we have five stand sporting clays. A couple important notes, it's a shotgun-only range. There are some limitations. Uh, but you don't need anything as a student to come out and participate. We have everything on site to make sure your trip's successful. We have shotguns for rent, um, eye pro, ear protection, uh, shotgun shells at the site as well. And uh, we have people out there to make sure you can enjoy it safely. So if I'm a student, I want to say just come out there for the first time and do that. Uh, don't want to spend very long time, but just kind of want to get introduced. Sure. Kind of what would it cost to rent a gun and, and yeah. buy the buy the by the ammunition. Yeah, let me walk you through that process. So you would show up, you would sign a safety waiver, and we would brief you uh, on the rules and expectations of the game. We would give you an orientation on how to go through the, the activity safely. So a shotgun rental is $5 if you bring your own. Obviously, there's no charge. It's $5 per round of 25 clays that you shoot at. Uh, so very affordable on that front. You can bring your own shotgun shells. There are some regulations on what ammunition is allowed. We operate under the Amateur Trap Shooting Association rules, and they have specified ammo regulations. Uh, but we do have shells out there for $6.50 per box. So about $12 will get you 25 shots at Clay Birds. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Jeremiah, any, are there any other areas that I didn't cover that we need to talk about for our students? I just want to say there's a lot of unique activities here in the outdoor education realm from our rock wall to axe throwing to indoor archery. We do a lot of programming really focused on students enjoying themselves and learning a few things about outdoor activities they can participate in. And there's definitely more to come. I would like to see um, some more changes including potential gear rentals for backpacking and that sort of thing so we can outfit your own adventure and kind of advise you on how to explore the outdoors yourself. You mentioned indoor archery, is that with uh, real arrows? Yes, sir. So we shoot aluminum arrows out of Matthew's Genesis bows um, inside here on the upper courts of the rec center. We do that every Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. So once again, there's no cost involved. Show up and we'll show you how to shoot and we'll get you started. Sounds like an excellent opportunity for our students to learn some new things in a safe environment and, and uh, gain some lifetime skills. Absolutely. Jeremiah, thank you for your time. Uh, glad that you had time to stop and talk with us today. Appreciate it. In this segment, I'm talking with Christina Kearns, who's in charge of student activities. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, how can students at UCM learn about organizations on campus? We have um, over 200 organizations on campus, and, and they range from passion areas to really organizations that are designed to supplement what they're learning in the classroom. Um, the easiest way for our students to learn about student organizations is that every semester we will hold an involvement fair. It is part of the week of welcome um, during the fall semester, and so that usually happens on the Wednesday of that week. And students can come um, to that fair and go table to table and learn about a lot of the opportunities that are available. Um, about two-thirds of our organizations usually choose to table at the student involvement fair. Um, we also will hold that in the spring. This spring we will be doing that virtually. That's a great opportunity for incoming students because unlike previous years, um, they might be able to learn about some of these organizations before they arrive on campus because we will be making that available virtually. Um, and so that is something that's really exciting for our incoming students, I think. 
Um, to get involved beyond that, um, if you finally settle into school and you're three weeks in, you miss the involvement fair, but you decide at that point that you want to get involved, all of our organizations are listed on MyCentral, and they can go through um, the activities portal and dig through the list and see what fits their, their needs and passions. Okay. Uh, Christina, I've got uh, several different uh, examples I'd like you to give here under some different things. So if you just, you just maybe pick one thing out okay. of that, that'd be awesome. Um, what are things that are under the academic or departmental organizations? Okay, that actually is a large number of our organizations. And so those really are meant to provide um, real lived experiences related to what they're learning in the academic classroom. And so a lot of those are sponsored directly by faculty members in that area. And so that could be anything from um, an association of social workers, which we actually have on both campuses. Um, we have independent organizations um, on both campuses for that group. Um, we have one for dental hygienists. We have um, our future doctors are in an organization. Um, a lot of teaching related ones, a lot of music related ones. Um, and so those really are directly related to what our students are studying. A lot of those are not restricted to people that are studying that though. So if you are interested in music, but you are an English major or something of that nature, a lot of times uh, the registration is still open so that you can still have that experience. Okay, give us an example of a community service organization. Um, one of our community service organizations that's also sponsored um, and, and supported by our office is Mo Volunteers. Um, and so they meet every Monday, and that's a great organization that is just getting out into our community and doing service. Um, there are a lot of other organizations on campus that do community service. That is our largest one. Okay. Um, how about in the cultural heritage, ethnic identity? What kind of things are offered there? So a lot of those are related to our international student population and some of the most prevalent and larger um, groups of students that are on campus. And so that could be anything from the Saudi Student Organization, um, the International Student Organization, um, Sanskriti, which is um, an organization that a lot of our Indian um, students are a part of. Um, and so a lot of those are related to identities that they hold. Okay. How about honor societies? A lot of those um, are academic in nature as well. And so they are actually really a step up for some of the other um, departmental academic um, a lot of those are Greek-lettered organizations, which can be confusing to a lot of people that are navigating campus for the first time um, because they get confused with what we consider social Greek um, or the more traditional um, campus version of the, of the Greek-lettered organization. So a lot of those are connected to national or international locate or organizations that are honorary for different disciplines. Okay. How about uh, religious organizations? What are some of those? Those are some of our more active organizations and Week of Welcome. So our incoming students can definitely see those uh, on full display during that week. Um, that includes things like our Campus Christian House, our Baptist Student Union, our Catholic Campus Outreach. Um, we have a lot of organizations um, that are will help students find their religious home if that's something that's important to them. Um, and those are some really engaged um, groups. Navigators being another one that's really active on campus. Tell us a little bit about the social Greek organizations. Okay, that is actually in partnership with Fraternity and Sorority Life, which I'm sure you'll talk about in, in another podcast. Um, all recognize, are all um, 
social Greek organizations, even if they are fraternities or sororities, are recognized student organizations as well. And so those are our members of um, the Interfraternity Council, Panhellenic, and Panhellenic um, and PHC um, organizations are considered social Greek. Okay. Um, do you have any uh, other special interests or other type of groups? Yeah, that is our, our full range of things. And so um, we encourage anyone, if you are passionate uh, about a particular topic and you can find up to seven other people to be pa passionate about that with, um, we can help you start a student organization. And sometimes it doesn't fit in those other categories that we've discussed and it would fit there. And so sometimes that's um, our gaming coalition, uh, we have Students Against Cancer. We have a social justice club that is just going through the process right now of being recognized. And so a lot of those that don't fit in other um, categories that are really passion projects for our students would fit in that category. Great. Been very informational. Thanks, Christina, for your time. And we appreciate it. Thank you. I'm here today talking with Christina Kearns about student leadership. Christina, thanks for joining me. Please tell our listeners about the Impact Leadership Retreat. Well, thank you for having me. Um, that Impact Leadership Retreat is a retreat designed specifically for incoming first-year students. And it's an opportunity for students to have leadership experience and get to know the campus before they arrive as full-time students here. They're placed in a small group um, and led uh, through activities, both um, fun, traditional, and leadership related by an experienced student leader. And so they kind of had to have a guide into what it means to be a mule or Jenny um, and get more comfortable with campus before they arrive. Um, why should students attend the retreat? Um, the impact uh, leadership retreat, the feedback that we consistently get from our students that go through it is that they feel more comfortable um, coming to school, that they have a small group of uh, a community that they've created as an as a part of that, as a result of that experience. A lot of our experienced student leaders that come back and facilitate that are still friends um, three or four years into their education with the friends that they made as they came through a leadership, um, impact leadership retreat. And so it is a really good opportunity for people to create their, their first community here on campus. What is Leadership to Go? Leadership to Go is an outreach program for us. And so it is a way that we are supporting our student organizations. And so our um, Central Leadership Council is a brand new council that we launched this year. It's six experienced leaders. They facilitate the leadership um, retreat, but they also will be doing the Leadership to Go programs. And so any organization that is struggling in any way that could benefit from learning more about team building or parliamentary procedure or how to run effective organizations can contact our office and it's peer-to-peer -peer education, and so um, a member of the Central Leadership Council would go to that organization and do a 15 to 30 minute presentation to improve that organization. Do you have uh, a list of some of the programs that the groups can request? Yes, uh, there is a full list on our website. Um, they include things like team building, um, promoting, recruiting, um, how to uh, promote events, how to plan events, um, there is a wide array, but we also are always willing to help student organizations with their unique and individual needs. And so we have designed specific workshops for student organizations that are struggling with one component. Um, and sometimes that's just we're not running effective meetings and we'll send someone to observe that meeting and give them feedback about how to operate. Good. Um, are there other leadership programs available? 
Uh, those are currently our, our big uh, participation points. We do have the leadership awards that happen in April. And so any of our students that are engaged can apply for those awards or be nominated by a faculty or staff member. Um, and so that reception always happens in April. Okay. Are there any scholarships available? There are, yes. Um, a couple of those have uh, scholarships attached to them. All right. Christina, any other things that we should talk about in the student leadership area? I think that's about it. Covers it. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Of course. If you're planning on attending UCM in the fall of 2021, be sure to submit your FAFSA and include UCM as one of your schools by putting our code 002454 on the FAFSA. To learn more about UCM, follow us on Instagram at UCM underscore admissions. On this segment, talking about student activities, we're talking with Christy Brinkley, the Assistant Director of Student Activities in charge of Volunteer Student Services. Christy, welcome to Mondays with Mo. Thank you for having me, Don. I'm glad to be here. So uh, we're talking about Volunteer Student Services. What opportunities are there for students at UCM to volunteer? We have quite a few opportunities actually. Um, every year we host two volunteer fairs, one in the fall and one in the spring. And those volunteer fairs are a great opportunity for our students, faculty, staff to come visit with our community partners. We invite people onto campus, for example, Big Brothers Big Sisters, Warrensburg Parks and Rec, and we invite them here so that our students can visit with them in person and learn about ways they can give back. Um, we also host blood drives, we host our stop and serves. Um, volunteer Mo Monthly is a program where we send students out into the community to volunteer and give back. And then one exciting thing is they can sign up for a weekly uh, email that they will get that will share several volunteer opportunities with them. Our community partners will call me weekly asking for help and so then we send those out to the students to get uh, the information out and request that they help. So are there student organizations here on campus for the students to volunteer? I know that a lot of student organizations will do service in volunteering or philanthropy. There are two specific organizations out of my office, one of them um, that I advise and the other one I co-advise along with my graduate student. But those organizations are called Mo Volunteers and their focus is to do a variety of volunteer projects um, throughout campus or off campus. And then the other one that I advise is called the UCM Breakers. They're an alternative spring break organization. So they fundraise money all year long and then travel over spring break um, to do um, work with the Habitat for Humanity International. Currently, because of the, the pandemic and the situation, they're still doing great things. They're not able to travel um, to a different state, but they are gonna volunteer locally. Right now, they're giving back by doing a variety of service projects here, and then over spring break, they hope to be working with the Fuller Center for Housing. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier, uh, what are volunteer service days? Absolutely. Volunteer service days are a great way for students to get involved with several other students. Um, we usually have two a year, one at homecoming and one during the Martin Luther King um, celebration activities that happen. So we set up lots of volunteer projects for the students, whether on or off campus. We encourage them to sign up and then we send them out to give back and do those projects. Excellent. Um, you might have mentioned this earlier, what is Stop and Serve? Absolutely. Stop and Serve is an event that we try and host once a month. 
the student organization Mo Volunteers that I mentioned before, they helped to co-sponsor and run that event. But the, the, what we like to say is a stop and serve is a community service on a tight schedule. So it gives students a chance, if they're not able to go off campus, to do service right here. We set up a table once a month for a couple hours and encourage them to sit down and write cards to our veterans or um, you know make hearts to give to nursing centers. Just anything really quick that they can sit down and do on the way to class. Very good. Um, you mentioned this earlier, uh, your volunteer community partners. How many different organizations do you have that you're working with? Well, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but at least 25 to 30, if not more. Community partners are a main reason that our students can volunteer. We do a lot of networking with these community partners that are off campus. Um, they involve not-for-profits, they can involve businesses, nursing centers, but because of them and uh, the university working together to host our student volunteers, it's great and they're really good to provide projects for our students. Christy, just in case uh, someone would want to start partnering with you, how would they get in touch with you you're, since you're the you're the contact person. Absolutely. The best way would be to go to ucmo.edu backslash volunteer. And on that is it is my webpage and you'll find all the information about what we just talked about from my volunteers, a list of the community partners and contact information. Um, it will talk about the volunteer mo monthlies, how to sign up for the volunteer email, and then my contact information is on there as well. I'd be glad to visit with someone or respond to an email, whatever works best. In our admissions presentation, we talk about the different student organizations and mentioned that the other day. And we do a lot of our presentations across the hall over here in the, in the new auditorium. And just outside the door is a sign advertising for your volunteer this, this week in, uh, with one of the local animal shelters. So I tried yes. to mention that for people to be able to, to see that yes. is actually out there. That's so. great, thank you. It yeah. is our Volunteer Mall Monthly I was talking about, and we do have some students that'll be going off campus today to work with the animal shelter. Excellent. So you mentioned also about blood drives. How can students volunteer with the blood drives? Absolutely, we have six blood drives a year. Um, we start in August with our Welcome Back blood drive, and then we have one at homecoming in October. In, on Veterans Day, um, and then January, April, and June. Students, the main way that I encourage them to give back or volunteer is to donate. Mm -hmm. We are always looking for donors, especially right now in the current situation we're in. Uh, donating blood is extremely important. The blood center um, comes, they're very safe, they are following procedure uh, for the pandemic so people feel safe. Um, they do. Uh, suggest that you make an appointment so that way they can monitor the people in the room but definitely donating blood and then if someone wants to help at the blood drive they can do that too um, by helping to serve the refreshments or recruit more donors so there's lots of ways to help out. Excellent. Christy we covered a few different things that you do with your uh, position here at UCM. Is there anything that we may have missed or that you want to add? The only thing I can say is volunteering is so very important. Um, it looks good on a resume. It helps to build you as a whole person. Um, your academics are super important, but also to learn to socialize and get involved with others. And if anyone has anything that they want to do that I'm not aware of, I want to hear about it. So I'm very happy to help and explore new ideas with our students that are coming in. Awesome. Christy, thank you for joining us today, and we appreciate your time. 
Thank you for having me, Don.